0: The Christmas episode. I read a portion of this on Christmas Eve at the New Yorkian Poets' Cafe. In search of black shoes and a god, in search of black shoes to match black dress pants at a cheap price, in some sense of greater love and understanding, I have an occasion to go to I need them for. Things I find holy, when Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah brings me to tears, hearing the Kaddish and angels in America Reading of readings of how aloud, the, the sandstone head of Buddha that tree roots grew around. There's a particular type of agnosticism I've always subscribed to. I suppose the definition of agnostic is what we learn in school. One who has determined the existence of God is indeterminable. But there's a particular type I fall into. One who believes in nothing 99% of the time. One who finds God every so often that 1% of the time. To quantify it at 1% as measured in time is accurate but misleading because the 1% are moments of great beauty. They are qualitatively more powerful. My agnosticism is characterized by an inner struggle with God, not the static mass of sure-mindedness that it is simply, that it simply cannot be determined and therefore is pushed aside so as never to enter our minds. There's truth in some sayings, like there's no atheist in foxholes. In some of my darker times, I found myself on my knees bargaining with a God I don't believe in and asking him to take away the pain. God has his uses, but he also has his downsides. Talking to a friend on the phone this week who, when drunk, is prone to proclamations of Christian faith and more than a little judgment. She said what started out as a compliment. You're so open and understanding. End of compliment. I don't understand why you can't believe... I told her about a religious moment I had that week when I had heard the story of a Buddhist temple that was raided and burned down maybe 100 years ago. The only thing that survived was the sandstone head of a Buddha. Someone put the head by a tree. Over the years, the tree roots wrapped themselves around the head. People it, the head and are told to crawl on their bellies when approaching the Buddha. Because you are not supposed to look down on the Buddha. You look up at him. This felt holy to me. I don't think the Buddhists are going the same place I'm going, she said. I don't want to go to your heaven if the Buddhist, Jews, and queer are outside the gates. I know what religion does to people. I've seen it. I remember when my stepmother told some people at the Lutheran church her son had come out, seeing the split in Bible study as people weighed this thought with their god, their definition of their god. I don't want to go to your heaven if the Buddhist, Jews, and queer are outside the gates. I can remember hearing a friend recount a sermon she found online. It was on Original Sin. The thrust of it was, man is born with Original Sin. Born with it. So if a person is born gay, it can still be a sin. You can be born into sin. I don't want to go to your heaven if the Buddhist, Jews, and queer are outside the gates. For the first part of my life, I was not raised in religion. I did not have a god except on Christmas mass until I was 13. When my father thought to shake things up and take us to a Russian Orthodox service for every other week, I saw the power in the ritual and my knees ached because you're not meant to stand the whole time. But I had some questions. Guess I'm still questioning. But there are holy things, aren't there? Like the Buddha head. I've collected through my life a constellation of thoughts and images I find holy, but most of the time I push them off to the side like a good agnostic so as never to enter my mind. The serenity prayer, for instance, must be holy. I encountered it at an AA meeting before I gave up on the meetings. God grant me the serenity. You know the rest. They should set up the music if ever there were a hymn for the afflicted. An Ativan in the nick of time is a holy thing and becoming more of a regular thing in these troubled times. Late in the night a few days ago, I called the hotline, the suicide hotline. It's a common misconception you need to be suicidal to call the hotline. I was just alone, alone in my own head, alone in my own thoughts, late at night, and needed to talk. Maybe I was thinking about it. I wrote a little ditty about it. Would you like to hear it? Bit of a poem within a poem. You have seen the light, and I have seen it pass me by in search of better hosts who do not find the cock holy and the mouth holy and Muhammad holy and syphilitic brain holy and junk holy and the tenderness found in a suicidal thought holy. You who put the fig leaf on the cock and cunt, can you put a fig leaf over the tender mercy of a suicidal thought? Depressing. The hotline gets a lot of calls around the holidays. For a brief moment, the operator let me get out of my own head and into the present. Holy is the telephone operator. I'm thinking of calling back Christmas Day just to say I'm okay and thank him. These guys could use some thanks. The holidays this year are made all the worse by the virus. My family is not meeting in person and I, and probably you too, are now isolated more than ever. I'm searching. I'm having one of those 1% moments and I hope it doesn't wear off too soon. To misquote Pascal, you have a hole in your heart the size of God. Christmas is coming and these are dark times. I'm stuck in a hard, dark moment. There's a church across the street from my apartment in search of black dress shoes to match black dress pants because I think for the first time in a long time, I'm going to church this Christmas.